Brum's a legend. I've met Brum. I've met Brum. Jack, you must have met Brum. Yeah, family in Borton in the water now. Is he in Borton in the water, is he? That's where it was set. That's where it was filmed. What, really? Yes. Brum in Cheltenham came to the pump room. He did go to the pump rooms. It's because Cheltenham yeah, is the nearest, nearest source of human life to Borton on the water. <laughs> <laughs> and and Brum feeds on, on human life, apparently. Yeah. 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 And he, that's where he lives. He lives in the little motor uh, museum in uh, Borton on the Water. In Borton, yeah. Oh, God, there is one of those. Yeah. Yes, yes, oh. there is. That's where he lives, mate. That is Brum's home. Oh, my God. Uh, is this going to be the episode? Are we just going to talk about all children's teeth? Well, yeah, just about Brum for an hour and a half. <laughs> an hour and a half of Brum. And it's not even talking I was, I was about Brum. It's children's TV, but yeah, it's not even talking about Brum. It's just like, oh, I remember Brum. Oh, I remember. We've just. No, become... I prefer like real life Brum, like a biopic. What he did next, <laughs> <laughs> like he branched out into the West End, but like the tickets didn't get sold, and, and like he fell, in, he fell into a life of excess. Yeah, yeah. A debt. He became a smack yeah. addict. Yeah, that's he sort of put... behind the music. Where are they now on Brum? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He put a diesel in his tank one day for kicks. <laughs> Literally, I think. I think we have found the topic for this episode. What I is the topic not. for this episode? <laughs> I don't think we have, because we're just talking shit at the moment. I would also point out we never spoke about what Brum is, so, like... <laughs> <laughs> unless you are British and were around in, like, the early 90s, y'all ain't gonna know shit about what we're talking about. Which just makes it better. Yeah, yeah true. Do something with YouTube Brum. The Brum intro. And you will be met with delight. And also a slight bit of melancholy because the world just isn't that beautiful anymore. Hello and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me, as ever, are Irish. Hello. Rob. Hello. And Jack. Oh shit, hi. Hello. Hello. And we're here to talk generally, really. (laughs) Really? You're joining us for a, a conversation about all sorts of bits and pieces, because there's no one thing capturing our interest today. So, uh, you know, feel free to skip to the next episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this one if you want. No, the thing um, is, well, it's actually, it's been a really interesting uh, sort of beginning of the year. There's actually a lot to talk about because normally, like, video games don't get big until, what, November? Because yeah. everything's pushing towards the holiday season. But just in, like, the last couple of months, we've had Horizon Zero Dawn, we've had Breath of the Wild, we've got Persona 5 coming... Uh, Mass Effect. Mass Effect, of course, which I've now finished and have many thoughts on, but I might save those until everyone has finished it and we can actually have a really candid conversation I'll about it. I'll push him away through it as we speak. Uh, and in terms of movies, like it's not been chill there either. There's a lot coming out. So there's a lot of stuff to just generally talk about. Like, have we all seen the Valerian trailer? Yeah. Not, oh, no, not, 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 not a recent one, no. 
I'll tell you what, because of the magic of editing, what we can do is we can watch it and then talk about it. And the bit where we're watching it won't actually affect the episode at all. All right, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's watch it and then come back. So, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always up for a bit of the old space opera. Oh, yes. And somebody gave Luc Besson that much money, and I want to find that person and hug them. <laughs> I gotta Clive say that, Owen. That... Yeah, Clive Owen. It's good to see you still I'm doing like, things. Oh, yeah. my God. Like I haven't seen Clive Owen in something in a while, and I love Clive Owen. He's great. i got to say, yeah, that, good to see that first bit on the bus is very Borderlands. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if you could look at the inspiration going the other way there, because the comic on which this is based yeah. has been going for a very long time. Yeah, oh, it has. Uh, makes sense. Um, and has inspired a great many things. Like, openly, Star Wars was inspired by it. And obviously, like, Mass Effect. And, let's face it, within the work of Luc Besson, Fifth Element, heavily inspired by this. Yeah. So straight away it's called Valerian and not Valerian and Laureline, which is the name of the comic, despite the fact that Valerian and Laureline are both in it. Which is mm. interesting. It is, although, as I pointed out, it's actually called Valerian and the a City of a Thousand Planets. I thought yeah. that's what the, the graphic novel was called. I thought it was called City of a Thousand Planets. Well, this is the thing. Valerian and Laureline is a very, very long-running book. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Empire of a Thousand Worlds was a book within that. Right. So it's like, to give a reference that we would understand, if they did a Batman Court of Owls movie and just called it the Court of Owls. Yeah, I'm with you. That's Because there was a Valerian and the Empire of a Thousand Worlds was one of the graphic novels. So they seem to have taken that title rather than Valerian and Laureline, but I hope it means the character of Laureline isn't getting downplayed. Doesn't well, seem to be they... in the trailer. No, yeah, no, it didn't seem actress, to be. The actress who plays... Uh, I've forgotten her name now, but she's, like, quite up and coming. Like, she's plays the lead in quite a lot of stuff now, so... I forget her name. She was in Suicide Squad as the Enchantress. It's Clara Delevingne, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. I always forget her name. Uh, and your you young man in the lead there was, uh, was Green Goblin, wasn't he? In the... Green Goblin, yeah. yeah Green but also, Goblin. also, he was also in uh, Cure for Wellness, if we're going to talk about good films as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, he's really good in that, isn't he? We've he's seen it, you can say. Very, very good in that. Like he, He's unlikable as a protagonist, like as it, which sounds like a criticism. No, that's good. That's good writing. Yeah, he, he plays a good. Oh, he plays a good smarmy eighties scumbag. You've I also did, got yeah. John Goodman here. Uh, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke, Rutger Hauer. Solid listing. Yeah, it's a pretty good cast. But ultimately, like, if you haven't watched the trailer and you're listening, if you didn't take the opportunity to go and watch it when we did, um, if you've seen Fifth Element, you'll have. A sense of the kind of style going on here in yeah. terms of the color and the grandeur of the space opera, but just imagine Fifth Element, but with the kind of budget that would let Luc Besson do what he's clearly always wanted to do with space opera. It's very sweeping. You can see there's going to be a lot of great action set pieces in there. Lots of well, thousands of different aliens in there. Like 
beyond yeah, just the trailer, array so. of species yeah. is is well, it's the city of a thousand planets, so yeah. a thousand species maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Apparently, um, the, the sort of premiere footage at San Diego Comic Con got a standing ovation in Hall H, and oh, wow. I'm not entirely surprised because that's a pretty big deal. It's a well put together trailer. Well, I mean, I remember watching the first one, uh, the first trailer for that, and both of the trailers have been very well put together. They've got a good mood about them. Like you can see that there's going to be it's going to be fun, but also very dramatic and sweeping. Yeah. And yeah, so it's yeah. a good, good mix. I think what I like about the trailers is they give you a sense of this epic scale. They give you a sense of the sort of sumptuous look of the place, which is the word I keep coming back to for this one. Mm. And it gives you a sense that there is going to be action aplenty and the action looks great, but it tells me nothing about the story. So I'm still going into this one hungry to know what the hell is going on. That's a good trailer. That's a good trailer that gets you into it without giving away elements of the story. The story, yeah. Yeah. And, it's like and- all I know is they've got to save... The city of a thousand planets. I don't even know what that is at this point. But it needs saving. Yeah, that's the sign of it. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think films are getting slightly better for their trailers now. There was a period like that lasted about five years or so that I think we've just come out of where, <laughs> like Batman versus Superman, like um, a lot of superhero films actually, like you could watch the trailer. And beat by beat, you could sort of put together in your mind what was going to happen in the flick. And it's almost like, well, I've just kind of seen the film and a very abridged version of the film for free before watching a film. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness with Batman versus Superman, I don't think the plot of that was ever really up for debate. No, true, true. Uh, but I, I do know what you mean. Trailers have been very, very bad at keeping secrets. Yeah. But speaking of Batman versus Superman, did any oh, of you do we happen... have to? <laughs> yes, we do, because it's funny. Uh, <laughs> did any of you happen to catch the Justice League trailer? I Not... did. No. Yeah. Shall I go and watch it? I okay, mean... start, watch the trailer. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to, but. Yeah, we are being totally dangerously unprepared here. It's marvelous. You might like it, to be honest. Like, what I will say, the music. Well, I am watching it, it now. Okay, so we'll, we'll wait. I, I will form opinions. Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay, so my initial impressions are that Momoa is still incredibly hot. <laughs> well, yeah, and there are two jokes in that trailer, which is far more comedy than any of other uh, any of DC's other movie outputs in recent years. So well, even it. if it only has those two jokes in, on that level, it's already better. <laughs> can I say? Ooh, I don't know about can that. I say one thing about it that makes me really laugh about it though, is that it's at the very end. And again, if you haven't seen the trailer, just go and watch it. You'll see what I mean. At the very end of that trailer, Batman. And I have problems with the way that Batman's shown once again in this trailer. But Batman is driving the Batmobile, and Aquaman is standing on the Batmobile as they're driving along. And Batman gives this nod, and Momoa looks up and sees what are clearly parademons in the sky, and he leaps up at them as if he's going to take them out, and then the camera sweeps around as you watch Aquaman taken off into the distance. And I'm like, 
that's not what he wanted to happen, surely. <laughs> like, like you're expecting him to like make a massive impact and like plow straight through them, but no, they just swoop him off into the distance, and then the trailer ends. I'm like, oh, whoops! I was expecting it to be a bit more triumphant than that fact, man. I'm afraid. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't a really dramatic win for Arthur yeah, there, was he it? He just got swiped off into the distance, and I'm like, okay. And it's the thing of going, well, how are you going to get out of this one, folks? Yeah, well, watch the film to find out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, guy. DC movies, DC movies in general are on probation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, I'll watch this because it is a Justice League movie. And a part of me has wanted a Justice League movie for as long as I've been aware of the Justice League and movies. Yeah, me too. Which is most of my life. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, Wonder Woman. I, it better be good. Like, Oh, yeah. There's a lot riding on whether that film is any good for whether I'm going to ever care about the current DC movie universe please, ever again. Please be good. Please be Robin, good. Robin Wright, who is the actress in House of Cards, is in it, and I think she will be amazing in it, if nothing else. Like, the footage I've seen, which has included Etta Candy, gives me some hope that they've kept the sense of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, which I'm really hopeful for. And especially seeing a little bit of comedy coming out of The Flash in Justice League. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. that's a good tone. The thing is with that is he's not Grant Gustin. That was weird to me why they didn't... I mean, they've got this sort of universe going on. And the thing is about that universe is it's actually really good. Like... The CW Flash show is so, so good. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's the tone that they should be taking with the movies. Like, the characters... I, well, The Flash, by and large, really enjoys being a hero. Supergirl, by and large, really enjoys being a hero. Arrow doesn't, but he's a grim bastard. What do you expect? <laughs> uh, but, like, Grant Gustin has has nailed the character, basically. Yeah. So, so I keep hearing, yeah. It's going to be really, really hard for... Is it Ezra Miller in this? Ezra Miller, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really hard for him to win me over. It's, yeah, I can it's imagine. It's going And something um, that might be derogatory is because, like, there is a shot of that trailer where Barry Allen is visiting his father in prison. Now, everyone's kind of already had that emotional weight hit them from it being, like you say, done really well in the in the show, Simon. So yeah. I wonder if them now, obviously trying to faithfully tell that story, but at the same time, it's one that has already been told in TV. Well, is that going to shoot them in the foot? Yeah, possibly. It's weird, isn't it? Then again, they won't have that much time to do it because they'll have lots of characters to deal with. As we saw in Avengers, Like you have to play a very, very careful balancing act when it comes to these ensemble superhero films. So... I don't know. I I mean, I, I'm a bit... I'm hopeful for it, but at the same time, I'm kind of a bit bummed out that most we see of Batman, once again, is gunning with a machine gun. Like, I get we see him, like, use gadgets against parademons and stuff, and I get they're parademons, they're automatons, they, he's allowed to shoot those, but still. <laughs> but still. I don't... Yeah, want- I mean... You kind of, I think we're kind of going to have to accept that is the movie universe Batman. He doesn't play by the same rules. It's it's very it's very similar. I mean, I really wish they they'd thought more about it, but it is a bit similar to the Batman Beyond Batman, 
in in that he's older, he's grumpier, he's he's sort of had enough of this shit, and he can't keep up in the way that he used to. Um, he's sort of been right. beaten down by the world, and Batman in that does use a well, he attempts to use a gun. He almost uses a gun. Yeah, yeah, but that that makes him retire. But I mean, it's, yeah. what I mean is that this is the same sort of Batman. It's a beaten, it's a beaten up, older. Not not like out of commission, Batman. Like he still does the work, but you know it's clearly taken its toll on him mentally and physically. Yeah, I guess. Like there there are some things about like like don't get me wrong. I think Ben Affleck is amazing as Batman. I think he's incredible. I think he and looks I think great. He's really good as Bruce Wayne, which is of the two the harder part to play. Mm. True, very true. Yeah, as, as most of it's done by a stuntman in the fight scenes and stuff. <laughs> but I get what you mean. Um, yeah, he's great. He's just great. He's a great actor. And he brings a, a lot of uh, great stuff to Batman. It's just that it's a shame about the material he's been given up to this point. We shall see if they can turn it around. Now, I have That's... heard that um, Vic is actually going to be like the emotional core of this film and that's a really interesting choice well yeah yeah because um they, they reckon that the um the the, the um is it the boom boxes not boom boxes boom tubes, boom tubes yeah that <laughs> boom boxes <laughs> um that that obviously that that the the new justice league from new 52 did the whole thing of cyborg being created by that technology so maybe they're going with that because it's clearly yeah, yeah the same well we thing. know that the movie guys are drawing from the new 52. Has anyone seen the most recent announcement about DC movies? Uh, no. Uh, they have announced a Batgirl movie, and it will be drawn heavily from Gail Simone's new 52 run of Barbara Gordon. Oh, fuck yes. I just... Y- y- yes, I-, I did read about this today, and allegedly Joss Whedon is, is in talks for it. Uh, not allegedly. Not allegedly? Definitely? Yes. Oh, Cool. I'm happy with that. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. He can do it really well, or he can do it really badly. We've seen Joss do both. Yeah, we have but talked it, about it, Joss it, doing both. Yes, there's like a fifty-fifty shot here. But oh. let's face it, he admits himself his wheelhouse is like young girls with superpowers. Now Barbara doesn't have superpowers, but she kicks ass like River. So yeah. he could do well with that. That's really exciting. Bat family. I think what I'm really interested in is if it is drawn heavily from Gail Simone's run, this does give them the opportunity to include Alyssa as a character, uh, which would, in terms of representation, that could be a coup. You're talking about a trans woman who kicks ass. I would really like to see them do that and do that well. Of course, she's a minor enough character they could completely drop her. Which, let's be honest, is probably what will happen. But we can dream, damn it. We can dream. After until it's released, we certainly can dream, yes. Yep. And it opens the doors as well. Like, it opens the doors to the possibilities of, like, Nightwing showing up. And yeah, that's cool. Great. There's hope yet. Possibly great. I mean, DC movies have not been fantastic up to this point. So, like I said, on probation, I want to be one round, but so I haven't I. been yet. So badly. I think. I, I think at I really some want point them to do well. 
This is the, yes. I, my my logic on the DC movies is that at some point something has to stick because DC is, seems to be uh, more willing to take risks than like should we say the nearest competitor um, <laughs> in terms of um, if we say like what, what do you reckon the biggest risk was in terms of Marvel movies? Cause is it is it Guardians? Guardians. It, okay. Iron Man. Iron Man was the biggest oh, risk. Oh no! I mean, like since since Marvel, you know, set out to make. I, I mean, like, I'm trying to think now. The best way to put it, like, since we had like the behemoth is you know Marvel Studios. Yeah, but ultimately, this is what I was about to get at. Was the reason Marvel don't take risks? Yeah, is they were in that risk taking model, and then they had their film that stuck, and it was the biggest risk they ever took, mm. and they haven't really ventured far outside that model since. Yeah, I mean. They found their formula. Would you say since since then? Would you say it's Guardians then? Oh fuck yes! Giving yeah. James Gunn a big budget, yeah, that was a huge risk. Okay, cool. <laughs> and that, but that took them quite a few movies to get to with a big expanded, you know, the whole Avengers thing going on. Yes. Uh, multiple movies for all the characters involved there. Whereas we've gone three movies with DC. I mean, well, we went two movies with DC before we then got Suicide Squad announced, which was, you know, that was a fairly big risk. Going okay, we've got Superman. No, I, I got, wouldn't say. I wouldn't say for this is DC. Yeah, announcing a movie with Harley Quinn in it isn't a huge risk. It, on that, it's getting their most pop, one of their most popular characters in their stable on screen. There it's is that. Not, but it's an obvious move. It it is, but I mean, before they, my my point is before they did a solo Batman film. No, oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they were coming off the back of the Dark Knight trilogy, though. They didn't need a solo Batman film. But, no, no, absolutely. But my point is that they could have done because this is the the whole the new the DC movie verse yeah. that they're trying to set up, and they didn't. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because they they recognised they didn't really have to, because it's like it's Batman. It's still the same Batman. He's just older and grumpier, and we can get that across in Batman vs Superman by having you know uh, Ben Affleck scowl a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't, which isn't shitting, it's not shitting on Ben Affleck's acting that is like he got it across very quickly what this Batman oh, yeah. is about definitely Marvel have uh, I don't know uh, I don't know the inner workings of like massive uh, film studios and things like that but I think Marvel must have like a slight advantage because they are now an entire studio dedicated to the creation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe you know you don't see Marvel making other films it's just just that. Yeah. Whereas Warner Brothers are di- like sharing their time between not only the DC Cinematic Universe, but they've got the Harry Potter stuff going on. They've, you know, they've got so much else that they're doing. Like, and I, I do wonder whether they would be better off just like making a new company, calling it DC Films, and mm. just I let them do that. I- I'm willing to bet the team that does the DC stuff is a dedicated team. I don't think they are working on other stuff. Because you've got to remember, Marvel movies are Disney movies. Uh, that is a company that is making all sorts of other franchises. That's it's true. It's yeah. a dedicated team that it calls a film studio. Yeah, it's, it's just a team within Disney, to be honest. Um, I bet the team is pretty dedicated. Like We know Jeff Johns is now like the, uh, the Kevin Feige of DC. Uh, true. And... It's not a bad choice. Yeah. Although his influence hasn't really been seen yet. I think like the first announced film under his auspices is The Batgirl, which, I mean, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Oh, I thought he'd had a little bit of a hand with Wonder Woman and Justice League. 
I, I think they they'd already been announced, so he probably sort of took over. I think yeah. this is the first announcement made since he came on board of a new project. Mm. I could be wrong on that, but I think so. He hasn't I, been seen in a number of months. He might not even be around anymore. Alive anymore. Yeah, alive. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, to him. I want to say it but... <laughs> I've just got to try and figure out what it is that makes the DC movies seem to not hit the right notes, and yet DC animated uh, universes seem to just get everything right from what I've seen so far. I don't know. I animated think... stuff sticks a lot closer to the source material. Yes, I was going to say the same. Uh, and has a sense of humour. And I think, honestly, that's one of the things that's been missing, even in Suicide Squad, where they really tried. The, the comedy landed so badly. Yeah. It was really, really flat. It's not that the DC Universe needs more jokes in the movies. It's that it needs to sort of figure out a way to have any humour that it puts in there gel well with the atmosphere it creates with the film. I mean, you don't mm. necessarily have to have a joke in a comic book film. There's no like rule that says you have to do that. You don't have to have comic relief in there. But at the but same I think it's time, a tone thing. Yeah, but at the same time, if you are going to put it in there, you have to recognise you can't just bolt a joke in and just sort of... You can't just bolt a joke onto the side of something and expect people to laugh. Yeah. It's got to be part yeah, of the I language. Think, yeah. yeah, That was Suicide Squad's problem. Yeah, and it was trying to be a very... The same universe as Batman versus Superman, the same universe as Man of Steel, very yeah. grim reality... But with Harley Quinn humor bolted onto it, you know. Yeah, it's it's what it's what annoys me when I see people saying, "Oh, Marvel films are better because they, you know, because they have funny moments, because they they're you know they have comedy in them." It's like, well, it's it's not just that they have comedy in them. Like, it it just it it does it it mixes it in with the atmosphere a lot better. Just adding jokes into a DC film isn't going to make it as widely accepted as the Marvel uh, movies are going to be. Uh, no, well, it needs to be coherently made as well. Yeah, I think one of the things Marvel have done so well is they haven't tried to enforce a consistent tone on every film and every character. Because uh, Thor was very Shakespearean in, in its presentation. It was very... Um, the Asgard stuff was very dramatic and sweeping and had this sense of scale. The first Avenger felt like a war movie. Yeah. It was a very it was a period piece. They almost sepia filtered the camera for God's sake. It was that close. And Iron Man has always been this moneyed action John Favreau fest that suits that. Yeah. You know, and the Avengers was something else again and Guardians was very completely different. owned. Thing. Yeah. Whereas they were trying to I feel like they were trying to make Suicide Squad something that felt consistent with the universe of the other films. They're trying to make it feel like a coherent universe rather than films happening in the same universe but in different places. Yes. Yeah. And the Suicide Squad tone has never been serious. Because it's kind of difficult to do that when you have, you know, King Shark running around and well, exactly. Captain <laughs> Boomerang. Captain Boomerang, I really liked, but they just didn't use him enough. Like, uh, yeah, like, I actually quite liked him. Like, someone, I can't remember who, but someone came up with a really good joke for Captain Boomerang to have had. Like, you set up that obviously he throws his boomerangs and he takes people out by throwing them in one direction and they hit the uh, his foe from the other side or whatever. 
Yeah. And then he has this one moment where he rushes in. This is entirely fictional and made up by, like, not, this doesn't happen in the film if you've not seen it. This is just something that someone else came up with. Captain Boomerang runs into the scene, sees his enemy, throws the boomerang. The enemy smiles at him and says, you missed. And then Captain Boomerang goes, did I? And then there's just a flat shot of the boomerang hitting a wall and then a dustbin <laughs> and then clattering to the ground. <laughs> that, that was really like the best thing. Why did they not put anything like that in there? I'd, I'd, like, to see, I'd like to see Captain Boomerang throw his boomerang and just full on hit someone in the face as it goes through and you go, oh. Oh, it, it, didn't, it didn't hit them on the rebound. <laughs> I, I can throw it straight at them. That's yeah. so much more efficient. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't think yeah. you get Captain Discus. <laughs> <laughs> this has to heavily shift something by spinning around three times. I love it. Mind um, you, I think the other problem with that film is they, they had no idea what film they were making, and that film no. was definitely produced in the editing room. Yes, mm. definitely, yeah. And and they just thought, screw it, we'll just spend like a, like a good couple of million just on getting a bunch of music that will try and emulate that kind of Guardians of the Galaxy feel, you know, where it's so, the music is so, it's part of its blood, you know, the music of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, and I think they, they wanted that and it just didn't, it just came off as like, oh, now they're playing another song. Now they're playing another song. Now they're playing a bit of Queen. You know, it, it, just, it just, it was hollow. It was a hollow choice of what kind of music they were using for it, it as well. It was a desperate attempt to ape Guardians. Yeah. I, I have to question as well. You guys might be able to help me because I've been racking my fucking brains over this. Right. Justice League trailer has mm-hmm. two songs in it, right? The, yep. se- the yeah. second one makes perfect sense. Come, Come together. together Beatles, right? Yeah. right? That makes sense. It's the team coming together. All right. Yep. Why is the first song the White Stripes' hardest button to button? Because Zack Snyder is obsessed with white stripes. <laughs> is that literally no, the I'm only not... reason? Is there, is no, there no, some no. hidden like, meaning behind that song? He's obsessed with them. He's obsessed with them in everything that he's ever done. There you go. <laughs> That's why. I'll be honest. I, I heard white. I, I knew it was a white stripe song, and I just assumed it was Seven Nation Army, and they were talking about how they were putting an army together from various nations. But you're right. It wasn't, was it? <laughs> it wasn't Seven Nation Army. No, it's hardest button to button. The one about like you're right. It was the one with all the nonsense lyrics about living in a house with kids and <laughs> like. <laughs> it's not a bad song. I quite like it. No, <laughs> I, yeah, but I just think you've had it like in terms not of the lyrics. The living in a house. It's like. I'm living in a house. It's like, okay, you live in a house. What's that gonna never mind. I found that funny and I think I meant to. Never mind. Um, I don't know, maybe they're hinging it on the now we're a family lyric. Yeah. I, I guess, but that's one line. It is. <laughs> I think Zach's Although they also really like watch money and they they make a point of Bruce being rich. Yeah. I mean, I guess because if they're just basing around the line "we are we are a family," like you could have done it all by with "we are family" by Sister Sledge. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It had the right tone. <laughs> Although there's doesn't it finish with the line "a box with something in it," and isn't there a box in the trailer that opens up and bad things happen? The mother box. Is it mother box? So yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's why they used it. I don't know. It's it's a weird choice. Yeah, I was just I was hoping you guys might help. 
but you're useless. Well, you haven't I helped tried, at all. I tried. <laughs> it's a well put together trailer. And speaking of well put together trailers, if you don't mind me segueing to something else, something that I think. No, Jack, I think we're done. I think Jack might have quite a lot to say about this if you've seen it. Um, arguably. Uh, although admittedly not an official one, but there is a cinematic universe that has existed for a very long time, before Marvel, before DC, uh, all made by different film studios, however, and that is the works of uh, a little-known author known as Stephen King. Uh, I see where we're going with this. There was a trailer that was released the other day uh, for It!, yeah. And I think it looks pretty friggin' awesome. Have, has anyone seen it? I have. And... Yeah, right. No? No? You don't like it? It's it's not that I don't like it. Like, I have this very weird relationship with it, right? So, the the, the whole scary clown thing. Right. It it it's it's gotta it's gotta be explained like the, the whole oh man it, it is so scary it, it gave me chlorophobia it, it, you know clowns inherently if you are chlorophobic or sometimes even if you're not clowns inherently are scary because they are deemed to be acceptable and yet look like well fucking clowns right <laughs> yeah. If you have a clown which has big-ass claws and fangs and soulless monster eyes, right, snarling at you and running at you, <laughs> that is, like, a billion times less scary than a regular clown. Because no one's going to look at that and go, oh, let's, let's, let, let's take a photo of our, uh, holding our baby. Like, <laughs> I've never understood the concept of the monster clown. So you're, you're thinking that the fact that they are taking away the the normality of the, the clown. Yeah, is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Pennywise did have sharp teeth, and didn't Pennywise actually have claws in some scenes in it? Uh, yeah, I'm 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 including both the remake and the original. <laughs> oh, okay. This yeah. is a general problem you have with like, it. Penny, Penny, with Pennywise in the original. I've, I, this is the thing is Pennywise in the original is not scary because he's a clown. He's scary because he's Tim Curry. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> the, the, I'll the, give you that. The scariest scenes in it, the original, are not where uh, Pennywise is running around with like his like mouth open wide with the big claws and his eyes gone all yellow and everything. His scariest scenes are when he is literally just like looking like a normal clown and just in you know standing like at the opening sequence before the credits start. There is just some sheets fluttering and you just see like a little flutter here of their like big red hair and just hearing Tim Curry yeah. go hi and. <laughs> That's upsetting. That is genuinely upsetting. But mm. claws and fangs and giant like rubber mon spider monster clown is just not. It's not scary. Um, I um I, I was as the trailer as a whole. Like I don't know. Like I've never. I I will put this right up front. I've never read it. Okay, I've seen it, but I've never read the book. But I don't know. You're not, like you're the, not missing much. The okay, fair enough. But like the, the <laughs> vibe of the trailer, like the mood of it, like the way it's all like, and it looks. I, I mean, they've set it in the time period that it was originally written in, right? Well, well, it is set over it's it's two blocks of time because you've got a bunch of protagonists when they're yeah. kids and when they're older. Yeah, so they've 
but what I mean, they haven't updated it further along. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, so they're not like it's kids still... in the nineties; they're like kids in the seventies or eighties, right? They're, so they're still kids in like the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah, kid, kids, so. kids. I think there were kids in the fifties and then adults in the late seventies, early eighties. Oh really? Was it that far back? I, I, I forget. I, I swear it was. I swear it was the fifties when they were kids. I, I it could. could it could very well be. It could it's been a very long time since I. Since, well, it's been a very long time since I read it. It's been an even longer time since I watched the miniseries with with uh, Tim Curry. Um, and it was River Phoenix. Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I just... I, I, I'm still going to go and see it because. It, it 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 was still one of my uh, favorite films of the time. Um, it was, just, yeah, just because like there's some really oddly good performances, like really hammy performances. Oh yeah, but but you know it was a bit. It was quite fun um, and quite creative in places, and had a whole bunch of meme worthy uh, material going on there. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I'd like to see. I mean, if they're going to play entirely for scares and shock value, they've really got their work cut out for them. Mm. Like I, I always say, if you're going to make a scary clown film, you can't to make a scary clown film. You can't make the clown scary. the The clown has yeah. to be scary by dint of being a clown, not by dint of being a monster. Yes, I, I'm. I'm following, and I'm with you there. Yeah, like the, the the whole the whole concept of the clown being scary is that like everyone just everyone else just sort of looks and goes, "Oh, cool! It's it's a clown. He's gonna blow up some balloons and do some party tricks. Let's leave our kids with him." <laughs> right? It's uh, it, that's what's scary about clowns. It's it's not the. Does fucking... he have claws in in the book? Yeah, well, he's kind of like a he's a. Uh, shape-changing spider from outside of time and space. He's yeah, yeah. The clown is just one of his forms. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's his preferred form. Um, isn't the, he's the Elder God type thing, isn't he? Yeah, like it's really weird. There's like because there's a whole Stephen King cosmology, um, which goes yeah. the, the 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 whole gunslinger um, universe goes into it, and there is essentially something called the Deadlights, which is a a a realm outside of our universe. It's like the space between spaces, that kind of thing. Um, and that's where this being is from. And it oh. essentially feeds on fear. And yeah, it's a giant spider. It's a giant crab spider. I wonder if they'll ever link it in, like, um, because we do have the Dark Tower coming out later this year. We do. I wonder if they ever would do something like that. Well, we know, we, we know vampires turn up in the, in the Dark Tower series. Um, and uh, Barlow, the, the vampire from um, oh, Salem. Salem's Lot, Salem's yeah. Lot uh, turns up, or, or rather his his brood sort of uh, turn up in the Gunslinger series, so uh, in the Dark Tower uh, books. So it is all linked together. I'd, li- I'd be interested to see a Salem's Lot uh, movie or series. Yeah, I would too, actually. I, I, that would be really cool, I reckon. Um, but yeah, I, I mean... the there are moments. There's very, very few moments of Pennywise in the trailer. There's Again, like good, a well-made trailer. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to give away all the shots of your monster right there and then. Right. Yeah. It's it's like it's one of the good things that the new um, Alien trailer did. As in the yeah. trailer for the new Alien film. I don't know if there's been a, a recent one more than like the last couple of weeks. Um, but you don't see the Xenomorph very often in it. 
I was a bit, and I mentioned this, I think, on an episode you weren't on, Jack, but I mentioned that I was kind of put out by the end of that trailer because you saw it, like, trying to claw its way into the ship. There's not the, yeah, there's... the actual reveal of the alien in the trailer was not handled brilliantly. No, but there is they didn't they didn't go as far as they could have done. Is is the point? Like they, they did do too, still too much, but not as much as they could have done. But we already know what the alien looks like as well, like because it's that it's so, tricky, yeah, isn't it? it's that ingrained yeah. in our in our in our minds that we already know what it looks like. So yeah, I mean the. Yeah. My my gripe with the current Alien trailer, it sounds like such a like a by rote uh, complaint now is that oh it's too much CGI and all that like what I always found like really worrying was the the close ups of the Xenomorph back in the old films when it just it looked so dripping and spasming almost yeah like it's, yeah whereas we're shaking. It just seems really dry when it's all when it's all CGI. There was the same issue with a lot of the shots in uh, Alien Three, which incidentally is my favorite Alien film. Um, it it just sort of doesn't look as threatening. It doesn't, yeah. It just doesn't seem as gross and body horror y. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get that. I guess this is going to be an episode where we're solely talking about trailers. Because... It's starting to look that way. Yeah. Yeah, the trailer verse. This is okay. But that's fine. Oh my god, we can talk about this episode. Oh. Going to be called Trailer Park Boys. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's excellent. <laughs> I was going to say there's been another trailer that dropped the other day, mm-hmm. which is a bit more recent, and that happens to be the next um, iteration of Less Spider-Man. Oh yes, I've which not... looks pretty ace. I've not watched that trailer. Because I've heard that it pretty much shows all the best parts of the movie in it. Nah, it doesn't. Watch it, it's awesome. I like that so, as a rebuttal. Just, nah. To continue the tone of the show, I'm going to watch it now. Yeah. Perfect. Link it into the, watch it link it into the chat so that we can all watch it together. Because I okay. have seen it, but I don't remember it shot for shot for shot. So uh, I I think that looks really enjoyable. <laughs> I think it looks like a really good I good film. I think it looks good. Um, yeah, Vulture looks pretty badass. Yeah. Oh my god, how cool! He, uh, he didn't die as Batman, so he's lived long enough to become the Vulture. <laughs> but man, Michael Keaton's looking old. He's the Vulture, dude. I know he's the Vulture, but he he looks real old. <laughs> I mean, he's playing a character that. The whole principle of the character is he's old, so they may have even aged him up for it. You know, that's true. Yeah, and then you they give can, him I mean, some credit on that regard. And then he's they like... can like youthify him when he uses his youth stealing gun. Hmm. <laughs> if they yeah, do indeed that's... go down that route, I don't know. There was just like there's this one little. I don't know if. I guess he did this in the, the different Spider Mans. Did this in the other the, the different Spider Men. I guess we should call them. Um, but like when he's swinging between the ship that is sort of breaking half, whatever, he's like, no, 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 no. Like he that that to me like really thought. I don't know. That's kind of like classic Spider-Man, like him Panicking. desperately trying to manage like a, a, a like a whole di- like a bunch of different things at the same time. That's that's how Spider-Man works. It's like yeah, yeah. well yeah. I mean both get... that and him doing the little pose in midair as he's swinging past the 
office building yes. were both just classic Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's that he's trying to take on more than he can in one go. And yeah. when things go wrong, he does panic. He's not this sort of cool, calm, collected hero. And yeah. he verbal and he verbalizes it because he's Spider Man and he can't shut up. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially so in this one, because he's so young. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also kind of like they've they've gone a, a sort of the the trope you've seen a lot of of action and uh, action games and RPGs. If if the trailer seems to be, if the trailer is indeed running in chronological order, which obviously it might not do, there might be some missing around there. He'll start with the suit he has from, um, uh, uh, Civil War, Civil... Yeah. yeah, and then get it taken away, and then go, start using his original suit, his original home built yeah, shit won't suit. Stop just because they took the suit away, yeah. he gets himself in trouble anyway. It, it, it's that thing from RPGs where you start off being an ultimate badass and then get bust down to level one. Yeah, yeah. it's your Metroid syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, that's that's kind of neat. I like that. It's it's also that is pretty yeah, cool. It's like Thor as well. He starts off being Thor, and then is you know cast down to being just a regular super buff bodybuilder human. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, <laughs> if you could him? get cast down to being Thor, that would yeah. be a pretty great day. You know, like well, Thor is cast down and forced to you know become Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. The, that's not a terrible fate. Yeah. Oh no! I could deal with being Chris Hemsworth. That would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> How could he live? How could he live? But it's yeah, it's great. I'm sure we've got to expect more of those like uh, problems that Spider-Man comes across. Like he, I don't know, he has to fight the Green Goblin, but at the same time, he needs to get Aunt May her medicine back at the right time. You know, it's uh, it's the balancing act that he always has to struggle with. And, yeah. Uh, it looks like that film's gonna nail also, it. Also, it's, it's it's another secret identity hero. We we yeah. haven't had that for a while. Like, no, he seems to be throwing their secret identities fucking left, right, and center. That's uh, true. And no one in the Avengers has a secret identity. But at the same time, when we were in the in the throes where every superhero had a secret identity, we probably were <laughs> moaning about it then. Well, so... yeah. <laughs> This is, this is, again, another thing I've been reading about recently. We're talking about when people complain about things and then get essentially what they want. Um, yeah. Man, Man of Steel being a good example. I mean, I know we were yes. talking about DC earlier. Uh, someone, yeah. I was re reading a really interesting article that was basically talking about the fact that, like, when we had the 1970s and Superman's greatest threat was Gene Hackman and Ducky from Pretty in Pink. <laughs> yes. Like... And everyone was like, oh, I want to see Superman being Superman. I want to see Superman, like, flying around and kicking ass. Like, you know, being able to do the stuff that Superman can do. Like, mm. we want to see that on a big screen. Man of Steel comes, and you've got uh, Zack Snyder directing a Superman film and going, I want to be able to show Superman doing the things that Superman can do. And he does it. And we all shit on it. I'm not saying we're wrong for shitting on elements of Man of Steel. I'm, I still really like Man of Steel yeah. and rate it as the best DC movie I, in years. I love yeah. Man of Steel, but I understand yeah. where a lot of the complaints and criticism, where a lot of the criticisms come from. Um, but I, like I love it. it. I love it. I, yeah, I like it. I just um, acknowledge the countless people that die at the end. That's yeah. That was um, my only thing. Like, I think when they said, "Oh, we want to see Superman kicking ass," I think they wanted to see him do it without the body count. Or as much as count. Yeah. And uh, you could argue, oh, he was only, he'd only just got his powers. He didn't really know. But 
I don't care. I liked I liked yeah. Man of Steel. I, I thought I, it was I, enjoyable. I really liked Man of Steel, and I liked this sort of sum up that was just like, okay, it's Zack Snyder going. I'm going to make a Superman film, and I'm going to make it for all the people that you know didn't necessarily get what they wanted with the Christopher Reeve um, Superman films. Say the same thing with um, Batman's fight scene in uh, um, Batman v Superman, like with the the mooks in the warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Every everyone complained about the fight scenes in the Dark Knight trilogy being essentially dark room, shaky cam, Batman kicking people in the shin. Yeah, that's true. Where, whereas this was essentially him suplexing the fuck out of people all on Best camera. Bit Best bit of the film. And exploding them with grenades. There was that as well, yes. He exploded himself with a grenade. That was his fault. No, no, Batman threw it back at him. No, he didn't. He batted yeah, his hand and he dropped the grenade. <laughs> he did. I've watched this scene like a hundred times because it's the only scene this, I watched. Simon, is, is, is this like is this like the bathtub scene from uh from Batman v Superman, Simon? Possibly. Do you just remember um, no, scenes no, from no, Batman I'm, v Superman wrong? I, I'm willing to acknowledge I might be wrong okay. on that one, but Batman definitely killed a whole bunch of people in that film. Oh yeah, and he still oh, yeah. shoots the plane through a tank, which blows. Yeah, he definitely up does the that. Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. does that. Yeah, oh yeah, we're not we're not we're not arguing that. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Superman and doing all the things he can do, it's one of the things, not the main thing by any means, but one of the things that's bugging me about the Supergirl show right now is Supergirl is practically, well, actually, this is the main thing. Supergirl is practically a sidekick on her own show right now. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, because they've introduced Mon-El. And uh, Mon-El is being played by the guy that Melissa Benoit is dating in real life. And it's become his fucking show, and she's like the the backup character to him. It's really annoying. But one of the things that annoys me less is that hanging around in the background of the Supergirl show for the whole show has been Martian Manhunter, who is basically yeah. Superman without the weaknesses. Right. Yeah. So uh, every uh, he's crisis... weak against fire. Fire. Ah, uh, sort of. Oh, yeah. He could just fade out of it. Shit. That's the, yeah. that's the best. The best ever line from Batman was him talking to Martian Manhunter and he says, for the one for the Metropolis, from Metropolis, I need like a $100 million slab of uh, asteroid for you. All I need is a penny for a book of matches. Like, it just so badass. <laughs> but they, they do occasionally play with Manhunter's powers. It's just, he could solve so many problems and just doesn't because he doesn't get involved. But there was one recently uh, where uh, the Daxum royal family turned up and the queen was going to fucking shiv Supergirl with kryptonite. Nice. And Supergirl turns up to challenge her and she stabs Supergirl and the kryptonite blade doesn't even pierce her armor and she looks really confused until Supergirl morphs into Manhunter and just goes, doesn't have much effect on me, and then just decks her. Oh, uh, that's cool. Um, I hear that Superman has also shown up in Supergirl. Yes. And apparently he's really good. He's pretty good, yeah. I I also like I mean, the, the 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 Superman from the old nineties Superman TV series is in Lois and Clark. Yeah, yeah. Dean yeah. Kane. Yeah, Dean. Yeah, Dean Kane is Supergirl's father. Is, and Terry Hatch is in it now as well, I believe. Yeah, she's the Queen of Daxum, the one who sh- uh, wanted to shave Supergirl. And so is Kevin Sorbo. Uh, well, he was. Oh, he was. Okay, fair enough. I'm gonna have he to was watch King this of show. Daxum. He died in the latest episode. Oh. oh. Well, I'll, I'll try and forget that. <laughs> but um, Helen Slater is Supergirl's mum. Yeah. As in the classic Supergirl. Classic Supergirl. 
So yeah. Dean Kane and Helen Slater are Supergirl's adoptive mum and dad. You've got Superman and Supergirl are Supergirl's adoptive parents, Incest? which is adorable. <laughs> but yeah, Let's Kevin Sorbo. Let's hope she dates the centaur sometime. And Linda Carter plays the president of the United States of America. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember seeing what? that casting. Yeah, yeah, she does. Who is an alien? Spoilers. <laughs> it's not huge spoilers. They reveal it almost immediately to the audience, just not to any of the characters. Uh, alien as nice. in what? As in she's an alien. I think Irish means what? DC alien. If I knew, I'd tell you. Ah, oh, okay. That, that has not yet been revealed. We just know she's not human. She's from Alien oh, okay. Hmm. I wonder if they'll ever get, like, the, uh, they'll ever do, like, because they brought Superman in. There's nothing to stop them from bringing Batman in or uh, any of the others. Well, honestly, something I've been wishing for for a really long time is um, Kara's adoptive sister, Alex, in this is an agent of the DEO, and she's an absolute fucking badass. And her recent arc that's been going on for most of this season has been really, really well done, and that is her coming out because she meets Maggie Sawyer and realises she is, in fact, gay and gets into a relationship with Maggie and has been doing some really nice sort of coming to terms with your sexuality in your adulthood. The storyline's been done very, very well. But I'm looking at this incredibly well-trained, kick-ass, not quite redhead, but it's red-ish, dating Maggie Sawyer I know what you're say. in a DC show. I know what you're Can we say. please, please have Alex turn into Batwoman? Batwoman. <laughs> she has no qualms using guns as well. Like, Yeah, and Alex has no qualms using guns. Right? She fucking yeah, the alien works. blaster she found. That would be so, so cool. Uh, it would be an amazing progression because they fucking turn everyone else into a fucking superhero. James Olsen turned into a fucking costumed vigilante in this show. What? what? Jimmy yeah, Olsen. He's become Guardian. What? Yeah, he's massive. He's massive in this show. He's a, he's oh, like... yeah, no, this this James Olsen is fucking cut. What? But he... But... but he's, like a six, he's like a 6'10 black dude that, that could, like, bench press like a fucking elephant. Like, he's huge. Okay. So he was a badass Jimmy Olsen. It's amazing. I'm sorry, you you just said badass Cyborg. Yeah, he could play Cyborg in a heartbeat. You you said badass Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. I'm so confused about everything in my life right now. (laughs) Like, nothing makes sense anymore. Although it is really funny when he is just the weedy dude with the camera. That's like all he's there to do is just occasionally take a picture and get rescued every now and then. Oh, so he's pressed the little Superman button because there's a Superman button that Superman can hear regardless what? of what universe he's in. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, James Olsen has that in Supergirl. Excellent. And he, he does use it to summon Superman at one point and Supergirl... It's sort of establishing their early relationship because she's like, what, you didn't trust me. You didn't think I could handle this. You called my cousin. Um, Because they almost had a relationship, the two characters. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then the season two writers backed the fuck off from that, which was really annoying. Mm. And instead put her with Monel, who is terrible. I cannot stress how awful Monel is. He'll be a bad guy at some point. 
But uh, there is a picture of James Olsen in Supergirl, along with Melissa Benoit, who is Supergirl. Holy shit. She's really good at Supergirl, from what I've seen. She is amazing. She has the character down. I just wish they'd let her be the star of her own show. Yeah. It's really gone downhill the last few episodes because it's been given over to this horrible relationship with Monel, who is constantly lying to and gaslighting Supergirl. And the whole plot seems to be her forgiving him for greater and greater betrayals and persisting in this awful relationship. <laughs> And I, I really want that to become a key thing when she realizes what's actually been going on and throws him into the cold vacuum of space to suffocate. <laughs> I'm looking at Monel now to see what he looks like in the show. He's really, really white bread hipster dude. It's so oh, annoying. Wow, yeah. But James Olsen as Guardian has one of my favorite moments, and it should be a Batman moment because it is hilarious and it's very Batman y because he wears the, the big suit of armor and is not a hero, uh, not a powered hero. He is a costume vigilante like Batman going gadgeteering. Okay. Yeah. And he has this thing where he's trying to save people from aliens. And he comes in and uh, cracks them in the head with his shield. And the guy completely no-sells it. And without missing a beat, Guardian just goes, that normally works. Run. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But to be honest, I'd say that it would be completely a, a completely legitimate thing to if there's a problem and you have a little button that can summon Superman to you, you'd press Superman. Despite how many other people are there, because surely it's a safe bet that you have two superheroes on the job instead of just one. But it is undercutting Supergirl on Supergirl. Yeah, but if, uh, oh yeah, I mean in the show, absolutely, but I mean, like, logically, like, if she's having a link I've, to... Yeah. Uh, the link I've just pasted is Supergirl and Alex Danvers, her adopted sister, the one I want to be Batwoman. Yes, I I, I, yeah. I have seen the first episode of Supergirl, so I, I knew who you were talking about, but that's, uh, that's really cool. Oh, they look badass. I mean, she kicks a lot of ass without being Batwoman, I just think she would make an amazing Batwoman. Yeah. Wicked! I'm going to have to watch these shows. Which one do I watch first? Flash or Supergirl? I'm not going to watch Arrow. I can't be bothered. Don't watch Arrow. Arrow's not great. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I never got on with Arrow. I, I tried it, but it's it's too grimdark. Yeah. Um, I would suggest watch Flash... I think watch Flash first, because I think it started first. Yeah, it did. And then try and watch them together once you hit the point where Supergirl started coming out. Because when you hit the crossovers, if you're out of sequence, you'll be very confused. Yes. <laughs> and they do cross over a couple of times. Uh, one show I haven't watched yet, but I really want to catch up on, is the, the other spin-off, Legends of Tomorrow. See, I've heard mixed because... things about that one. Well, it sounds like really good, silly fun. And the characters I know who are in it, who came out of the Flash and Supergirl universes, were really fun characters in those shows. So you're talking about um, Firestorm is in yeah. there. And Firestorm Atom. was great. Atom, Brandon Routh as the Atom is so good. Yeah. He is just so fun. Um, Hawk Girl is in there. Um, and you've got... Uh, Oh, why is the name escaping me? John Barrowman. 
yes. turns up in there as well. Isn't he an Arrow villain, though? Yes. Well, a lot of the characters crossed over into Legends of Tomorrow. So you've got White Canary, who started on Arrow, is in Legends of Tomorrow. You've got Firestorm, who started on Flash in Legends of Tomorrow. Um, you've got Snart, who started on Flash. Captain Cold is also in Legends of Tomorrow. So um, most of the characters started in the other shows and then spun off into Legends of Tomorrow. Hmm. Hmm. See, I heard our boy Kevin Smith has been directing some Supergirl now, as well as Flash. Yeah, yeah, he's he's tried his hand at both shows. Uh, his episodes were good, although he himself admits that directing those shows you don't do a lot because yes. the the cast and crew really know what they're doing, so you just let them get on with it and say, yeah, yeah you did really good. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. You did your jobs that you do all the time really well, and I was there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Ah, oh. okay, so this is vaguely a bit of sort of DC slash trailer show <laughs> yeah pretty much that's that's pretty much what we've been talking about anything else that we've got on the list pirates of the caribbean yeah have they all right have they actually changed the name have they actually changed the name of pirates of the caribbean the new one the dead men well, no because it was called uh dead men tell no tales right that is what it's called and now is it? Because the last trailer I saw for it, it was called Pirates of the Caribbean Salazar's Revenge. Oh, I think that's what it was being called, because um, your man from Skyfall, Javier Bardem is the Javier Bardem is Salazar. He, he looks fucking terrifying. Yeah, man. Like, he looks... Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. I think maybe it's... I think maybe Pirates of the Caribbean has kind of gone a bit by the wayside. I think, um, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of 2 and 3, and 4 was pretty bad. So they've been riding on the coattails of the first one, which is excellent, for a while. You know what? 4 was not intensely awful. It was! Except for the, except for the bits that generally played on... Uh, Johnny Depp, like as the main character. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just fucking sick of Jack Sparrow at this point. <laughs> Ian McShane, admittedly, was very good. Ian McShane was incredible. Like a, a Ian McShane's incredible in everything. You can't say everything is good because Ian McShane. But, okay, why, you know, we got rid of all the other characters, we don't need Jack Sparrow, why not just have, like, uh, um, uh, Penelope Cruz as your main character? Because everyone likes Jack Sparrow. Not everybody! I think I've he... got a trailer that I think I would like to hear the opinions of various people here assembled on. Okay, Let's okay. talk about that, because we have little to say about pirates, it seems. Link in chat. Oh, okay, we're going to watch it. Let's Everyone. Watch it. It's three, uh, we'll two, see. one. Click. Oh, God, I've seen this trailer. I have not, but I've heard about it. Oh, dear. <laughs> Jack is going to be so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like I said, there were certain people here assembled whose opinions I wanted. <laughs> oh. So oh the westernized goodness. remake of Death Note. I'd what do we it. think? Uh, I'd watch it. I I wouldn't. I, but not not. For I me. have no. I have no knowledge of the anime. So uh, based on that trailer, I'd give it a go. The trailer does make it look uh, interesting. Like again, yeah. from a, from a not knowing what. If you didn't know what Death Note is, I would say that trailer does make it look interesting. I only now, know see, what you... I know the the principle of Death Note, but I've never seen it. Okay. Yeah, same. And and that trailer does make it look interesting. The the manga and the anime are and I'm I, this is going to be divisive amongst anime fans depending on their age. Uh the Death Note is just it's it's just the fucking worst. It is <laughs> it is the most hackily written piece of shit I have ever come across. It is Basically, every single goddamn volume is, oh, Light has got himself into a situation, and ah, oh, the police are closing in, and he's going to figure out what it was. Oh, no, it's okay. He made a plan three weeks ago that I didn't tell you about, and he was so smart that he, like, wiped his own memory so that he would have plausible deniability of it. And like literally everything is done by the writer going, no, it's okay. He made it. He made a plan about this three weeks ago in case this exact thing happened. I didn't. I didn't include it three weeks ago when I was writing this. But you know, I'm just. I'm letting you know now. Now that it's you know appropriate to let you know. It. I. I... Uh, Jack, just just for uh, for listeners and for me as well because I I need reminding. Yep. In about thirty seconds, can you give us the the rough premise of Death Note? Okay, so uh, Light Yagami is a young man who has a who suddenly comes across a notebook called the Death Note, and if you write someone's name in this book and the manner of their death uh, within a certain time limit, that person will die. If you leave it, if you leave the cause of death blank, I think they just have a heart attack. Um, and it's they have a heart attack within thirty seconds if you don't put exact time and date of that and the exact time has to be within a certain limit as well i believe so it's to stop you. no you... is it i mean i thought it was to stop you like writing your own name in there followed by will die peacefully in his sleep at age 400 no. <laughs> yeah. um, basically and yeah like being essentially like a, a complete sociopath decides that he is going to create a better world by killing off um, all the, the 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 bad people in the world that are holding humanity back. Uh, right. It's got a lot of parallels to Dexter, I'd say, uh, in that it is a sort of clearly unbalanced supremacist character having a very clear idea in their head of what an ideal world would be like, and taking very drastic steps to um, get that uh, that point. Um, as as time goes on, you find like the that uh, there is a creature called Ryuk, which is a uh, a Shinigami, essentially like the Grim Reaper, um, but there's there's lots of them, um, and the Death Note Death Notes are theirs. It's their little tool they have, um, and Ryuk essentially 
I don't know if this is a spoiler. It's I don't know. Real essentially just dropped that that Death Note on Earth just to see what would fucking happen. See, Jack, it, yeah, you it, have inadvertently sold me on watching this network. But isn't it such a great concept? Is it not a it's, fucking amazing concept? It's the yeah, thing with, it's the thing with Death Note is that when a Shinigami loses a Death Note, they can't get it back. Yeah. You have to if wait. Gets until, yeah, you have to wait until the bearer dies. There's a lot of stuff in there as well about how you can um you can you can find out one of the things you can do if you own a Death Note but are not a Shinigami is that you can gain the ability to sense when people are going to die naturally. You you can right. gain you get you can gain the ability called Shin, Shinigami eyes. Yeah. So you can see like a above the person's head the you will see the countdown of how many is it I think it's is it hours or days? Something or, like that. You, see, you see a countdown. You can see their timeline, basically. You can see their how much time they have left on this earth. And I believe, if I'm if I'm correcting this, there is also another ability you can get where you can see your own countdown. But in order yeah. to get it, you have to half the time you have left. That's how you get the first power. Okay. In order to get the first power, you have to trade in half of your remaining time on earth. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. There's a, there's a lot of little shit like that, and there's like more Shinigami turn up, and and all this, that, and the other. It's 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 got a really interesting concept, but it it's written so so poorly. It like so many issues. I'm, I'm not a fan. They write themselves into a corner and then just go, oh, it's okay. We'll just make something up that he did a a, a, a precaution uh, a month ago. Um, like I said, there, there is an arc where like he gets amnesia and all this shit goes on, and it turns out he gave himself amnesia, and before he did so, set up a whole bunch of things that he knew he would do by predicting his own actions. Yeah, including like, including it was like self hypnosis or something. Yeah, including trying to figure out what happened with his amnesia so that he ends up curing himself of his amnesia after the point at which he needs to have amnesia. Right. It's oh my god, it's painfully written. And it, it follows him from like his last year of high school through to being uh what is he a detect he ends up becoming a detective or something? Something like that, yeah. But yeah, he, he ends up joining the police force. You gotta bear in mind, yeah, it's he's a teenager. Uh so to give you an idea of that, that he is a highly strong sociopathic teenager who has decided that he it's essentially a school shooting analogy. Yeah. Which has thrown up interesting debate about the fact that this is a westernized version, yeah. the implications of that with an American white school kid. Yeah. I think they could do some interesting things. Yeah, I think they could do some interesting things. You'll know I'm not taking the response of going, oh, it's whitewashing, etc. Like, being really angry with it. No, because in this case, that adds an interesting layer uh, In to this it. case, it could add an interesting layer. The original Death Note has yes. a lot of things to yes. say about Japanese society and about the superiority of certain classes of people. Um, yes, and you could certainly do that in a westernized setting, and it is a wholly westernized yeah. version, which is why I don't think the whitewashing thing applies. Yeah, it's a really weird case. I, I, I again, if they made it, if they write it better than the original manga, which is not difficult, then it, <laughs> it could be worth a watch. Um, also, I, I was that um, right at the end there. Was that uh, I was going to say Green Goblin then? Um, yeah, William Defoe. It was Willem Dafoe. Yeah. God, that's yeah. weird. Uh, <laughs> they weren't put any makeup on. Yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, the the live action movie of Death Note that was a, a few years ago was was that Korean? Yeah. Um, 
and again, there's there's interesting things there with with Confucianist society um, taking on the role of you know who knows best, who knows what's best for society um, and youth and so on. But yeah, it's I don't know. My my gripe with it isn't the casting. My gripe with it is that Death Note is just shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I I think I will I will give that one a go, because um, like you say, I mean they they could do interesting things with it. It could be. Uh... It's a movie, not a not a series, isn't it? Oh, really? Is it a movie? Yeah. Yes, this it's is a, a Netflix original. Oh, film. okay, okay. Oh. That's so it ends up becoming a series of films. They, there's less of a chance. There's less of a chance of them waffling on and on about how fucking smart light is then, because. Yeah, he'll he'll. There's there's yeah. less time spent, so we won't have to exactly worry about the amnesia planned. plot. Yeah, uh, his 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 catchphrase. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a catchphrase or not, but you know, just as just as planned, just as Kikaku. Yeah. Um, it's like he he plans out what exactly what everyone is going to do, and then they do it. It's it's like, it's it's like um. The Sherlock Holmes vision in the 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 Robert Downey Jr. films, but like spread out yeah. over fucking weeks. God, I got the whole it's take a potato chip bullshit. Oh, but that that was just added into the dub, I believe. No, that was in the manga. <sighs> that that bit, yeah. There's just a line he has where it's just it's delivered dramatically with all this opera music in the background. I'll take a potato chip and eat it. Well, well, <laughs> what's happening is that uh, he has been suspected of being uh, Kira, who is is him. It's it's the serial killer. It's the dubbing he gets of the serial killer. So, like uh, in in the news, they just say that there is a serial killer going around and somehow giving people heart attacks. Um, all across the world. All across the world. Yeah. So. He gets and, implemented and, uh, in it because he's not as smart as he likes to think he is. And uh, he's being watched by, for one, his father. Yep. Is one of the detectives behind it. And uh, L. Who is, is, again, insufferable. Another, he's like a, another genius style character. He's a, who yeah, is he's a savant detective. Yeah. But he has zero social skills. He, like, Oh, he's so fucking annoying. He he, is... he always sits sits squatting on a chair and, and eats sugar. He just eats sugar cubes all day, and just walks around. Essentially, he essentially walks on all fours. He scuttles around everywhere yeah. because oh, he's kooky and quirky and odd. And um, I can't I can't they're... reiterate enough times how poorly written Death Note is. Yeah, <laughs> basically they're they're. they're... Watching him to see whether he's the one doing it, and what he's do, and uh, he's all what he's doing is sitting at his desk, writing, uh, doing some schoolwork, mm. and eating uh, crisps out of a bag. But in the bag is um, a little portable TV. <laughs> so he's basically getting the information he needs while writing in this book, which is. The Death Note, but make it look like he's not doing anything out of the ordinary. So much so that he, you know, he throws away the TV into the bin with the crisp bag, 
to make to just to keep the whole illusion going. <laughs> so weird. it's so convoluted and stupid. It's a portable TV. So, <laughs> so he's, like, he's like he's like it costs some money, but to keep up to 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 make sure that I keep my thing secret, it's a it's a worthy sacrifice or something. I, I will say that actually that's very fittingly Japanese because uh, TVs the size of Walkman yeah. uh, were incredibly popular over there and very affordable. They were like Walkman type price. Yeah, yeah. They, it was it was something that was very ubiquitous in Japan. And so I that seems weird funny. outside of Japan, yeah. but actually I suppose it's quite fitting. And Light is quite wealthy. His family is quite wealthy. It's... His family is quite, yeah, because his dad's fairly high up in the police department. It's again what makes him even more fucking insufferable. Oh, God, I hate him so much. He's, he's, you know, like, it was like, in Japan that they had the TV tuners for Game Gears to turn them into those little portable TVs. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, he's, he's like top of his class. And, yeah, he is. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's set to go to Tokyo U, you know, and all this kind of stuff. He's set to have a. A bright future in whatever he chooses to do. It's just that what he chooses to do is uh, create a paradise by murdering everyone. Okay. And generally, like, Death Note can sometimes be like the gateway series to new fans into anime and manga, and they will praise it to high heaven, so it's, you know, it's the best thing ever, and it's really not. Yeah, it's like I mean, it is so poorly written. But it, it, if it does it act as a gateway, that's fine. But people will just keep talking about, oh, it's so all the twists and turns and all oh, the swerves. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's like if you like if you like your M like Shalaman twists. It's not even M like Shyamalan. It's fucking Vince <laughs> Russo twists, is what it is. I was gonna say at least M like Shyamalan kind of foreshadows his twists. Yeah, I guess. Like, once yeah. the twist happens, you go, oh! And whether it's impressive or not, you can at least see where it came yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, it, This is, yeah. again... The bullshit out of nowhere. That's more Russell T. Davis. I was, I was yes. going to say... Yeah, I was going to say more Vince Russo. Russell like, it, Davis. It, if it turned out Kira was actually David Arquette, that, that would have been the ultimate reveal. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there you well, go. Speaking of anime and manga... The film is out, but I don't think anyone's seen it here, but we've probably seen the full trailers, and I don't think we've talked about it since the full trailers came out. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell. Um, Looks pretty. I mean, all I guess. Pretty, yeah. of, of the people I take their opinions when it comes to movies more than other, Keith has gone to see it, and says it's really good. The the reviews you know, it's the reviews I've seen have basically said, Oh, it's okay, it's really, really good. Flashy lights. I'm like, well, that's yeah. not a good review. To be honest, the only review I've seen so far from a trusted source said style over substance, utterly beautiful, devoid of all content. Which is not right. how Ghost in the Shell should be. No. I think what I I I wanna try and get round to see it. I'd like to see it. Um just so I have my own opinion of it, but um, I'll probably opinion... end up watching it. But I'm uh, mostly so that I can talk about it on this show, to be honest, yeah. and yeah, to satisfy same. my morbid curiosity. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm so drawn, but I'm not in a hurry. I'm so drawn because I do want to see it so that I can shit on it from a place of knowledge. 
<laughs> but equally, I don't want to support the film. Don't you have a cinema pass? Yes. So you're not actually paying specifically to see a specific film. I'm not, go. but don't you? Don't they get the like data on how many people are going and watching a film anyway? Well, I probably. I don't think that you alone. It is the fucking <laughs> principle of the matter. <laughs> I am a man of principle, I know, Robert. Man. I don't know. Like it could be terrible, but I've heard enough things to make me curious. So I'm. Uh, I will go. Um, but it's, it's interesting. We were we were talking about Netflix. Do you guys mind? I don't know if any of you would have seen it or intend on seeing it. Uh, have Have anyone of you seen Iron Fist? No. Oh yeah, you wanted to shit on it. Please go ahead. <laughs> Let's go. So, oh my goodness. I um, I, I will say yeah. that I've 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 seen. Uh, I don't know if this quote was taken out of context or anything, Rob. But I have seen yeah. the the actor who plays uh, Danny from for, is it Danny from Iron Fist? Iron, Danny Rand. plays Iron Fist. Um, yeah. Has said that the reason people don't like Iron Fist is because Donald Trump is president. Because people are people I, don't like that? well because it means that people don't like rich white guy characters. Well, no, no. No. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to say, so say, again, I don't know if this quote was taken out of context or anything like that, but I'm just going to say, Rob, clearly, if you don't like this film... Oh. Okay, here is the exact quotation okay, cool. that came okay. from Finn Jones. Okay. I think the world has changed a lot since we were filming that television show. I'm playing a white American billionaire superhero at a time when the white American billionaire archetype is public enemy number one, especially in the US. We filmed the show way before Trump's election... And I think it's very interesting to see how that perception, now that Trump's in power, how it makes it very difficult to root for someone coming from white privilege when that archetype is public enemy number one. So that I would say Batman, I would say Iron Man, I would say, yeah. you know, shut the fuck up. I would also say shut the fuck up. Um, I, I will ask any of you. Uh, um, okay, uh, Jack. Yo. I would like you... And I, I, you may I, not have any knowledge of the character whatsoever. I hope you like me anyway. I would. <laughs> I'd. I would. It would be helpful to my point if you could pitch me what you think would be mega wicked in an Iron Fist television show. Okay. Um. I would say start with uh Danny Rand being an obnoxious rich trust fund baby. And then have him crash in... Is it Nepal? Nepal, yeah. yeah. And then um, have some sort of... Uh, have a series based around him learning, you know, his skills and getting his powers and learning responsibility and the, the ability to temper his uh, life and learn to use his abilities and his place of power and privilege to, you know, essentially protect people. Defend people. Okay. Yep. Now, basic. That's great. Excellent. Uh, Oscar goes to Jack screenwriting. Nice. So, um, I don't. Think, I don't like think you I to don't imagine think, that. I say I don't think they give Oscars for for concept writing, but yes, <laughs> that's true. That's I, I true. Would do myself, but that would be that would be good. I would now like you to think of that, 
but in exactly the other way around. Okay, so okay. we start with, so, we start with Danny Rand in New York already with his powers. I'll explain. I'll explain. Basically, the comic book legend of uh, Iron Fist is that he, as a young boy, uh, with his parents in their private jet, crash uh, over the mountains uh, in Nepal, and he gets trained. Um, basically, you have the concept of this guy who comes across as someone who is enlightened, someone who has been trained, someone who is disciplined, okay? We have that concept of him arriving in New York, him being confused by, you know, the idea of people wanting money over happiness and enlightenment and stuff like that. Like, he's calm, serene, but then at any chance that he gets, he throws a bitch fit about... Um, anything that he doesn't like whatsoever yet we're expected to accept that this guy is like the pinnacle of like uh mind and body um where we want there to be wicked martial arts there is nothing but useless awkward flailing you remember the wicked fight in daredevil where he single-handedly takes on 20 guys moving meticulously down a corridor in one fluid shot yeah. we have just flashing uh cutting fight scenes where they're trying to cover the fact that finn jones just hasn't been given enough time to rehearse the fights they're dreadful um where we want him to be fighting in martial arts tournaments and going up the ladder against more difficult opponents that's you know a cool martial arts trope admittedly but it's cool um we instead have endless board meetings with characters from rand enterprises that we don't care about whose motives are so paper thin that they change on the you know the flip of a coin like i i now couldn't tell you what those people wanted like so many of the characters were just vapid and useless. They want to, there is their motivations. They want to keep away Iron Fist's trust fund. At first, yeah. Then he gets his trust fund. Oh, like in episode like three, and that's not a spoiler. And if it is, don't watch it. Please <laughs> oh, don't Finn watch Jones, it. By the way, uh, Finn Jones has also blamed the crew for not giving him enough time to rehearse fight scenes and not enough training. That's... And I'm like, well. What? Why didn't they hire someone who knew martial yeah. arts? True, true. Um, uh, and yeah, he, he clearly wasn't... Get, like, I, I didn't know that. I just guessed that from watching it. He wasn't given enough time. It is... The fights are dreadful. And I'm thinking, well, this is Iron Fist. This just should be centering around martial arts almost. And um, it's just weak, weak storytelling. The, the only two characters... No, sorry, three characters that I really like is Night Nurse, which is... Um, Oh, uh, what's the name? Rosario um, Dawson. Rosario Dawson, excellent. Who excellent has been awesome in all of the Defenders individual yep. shows. E exactly. She's amazing, and she shows up in it. Um, there is um, a character whose name I've forgotten, um, but she runs a dojo, who, uh, and she secretly enters like secret fighting tournaments, which is what he should have been doing, really. Um, she's really badass. Uh, and then there's David... That's it, Colleen. Yeah. yeah and then there's. She, she actually knows what she's doing. She's awesome. She's so good. She's such a good actor and so amazing in the fight scenes. Um, and then there's David Wenham, who is a, a pretty, like, gives a pretty good performance, but I just like him as an actor anyway. You may know him as Faramir from the Lord of the Rings trilogies. 
trilogy rather um but overall it is such a, a like it's a snore fest it's so dull um i i think they must have been writing it whilst they were filming it it's the only way to explain because all the other netflix shows have uh, for marvel have generally been really strong and this one is just like it's like it's been made by people that didn't acknowledge the others in any way like um in terms of tone and in terms of the way that that you put together a story simple storytelling and it's bereft of that um just as a quick aside jessica henwick who plays Pauline, was uh the asian lady pilot in force awakens she was yes yes uh blue is her name blue um no, she was um, Jess, but she was um, in Blue Squadron, wasn't she? There's something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to think of a Star Wars name. Um, uh, yeah, Jessica Parva. Yeah, she's just she's really good. Like but she was Blue Three, hence why because um, uh, Blue Ray was the ship name for her and Ray. That's right. Because she was Blue Three and Ray. That's the one. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, I, yeah. I thought it might be. She's awesome. She's great. I can't wait to see her in other stuff. Like, she's a really, really good performer and amazing in what she's given uh, for the fight scenes and stuff. Because, like, you'll see nothing better in that show other than her in terms of, like, action and stuff. Um which is hilarious because and, and annoying because you see this person who is quite clearly very capable and then she's sparring with Danny Rand, who clearly is incapable at this point, <laughs> and yet he's winning and it's just really frustrating. It's like, she would kick the shit out of you, man. What are you on about? Like, uh, I'm suddenly reminded of the uh, the episode of Battlestar Galactica where all the crew were fighting each other in the boxing matches and they had it scripted so Leah Dahmer would beat up Hilo. Yeah. And both actors went to the director and went, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be, like, super negative. Like, I always try and find something good in it, but, um... This one seemed like they kind of felt pressured to get Iron Fist in there, like um, as a, as his own series before doing Defenders. But I was thinking of this in a sto- in terms of storytelling, and I hope you don't mind me saying, but they uh, they actually go into dealing with more about the Hand, uh, which is a, a an antagonistic force that we've seen throughout the the Marvel um, Netflix stuff. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of Daredevil's principal antagonists. Yes, um, and and Iron Fist as well, for he is destined to be the destroyer of the hand, like the fist versus the hand, you know. Um, and um, I thought, well, if if you're doing Defenders, couldn't you have introduced Iron Fist as sort of like the one that is kind of like the fish out of water, that everything gets explained to him, so it's kind of like joining the rest of the heroes through iron fist's eyes so he's the one that is leading the fight against the hand with the rest of them you know like that's how how i could envision it happening without you needing this unnecessary um snore fest of a show like 
that's that could easily have been achieved just in defenders. Um, so yeah, uh, unfortunately, not great. I'm sure some people may disagree with me. Some people might think that the critics are being incredibly harsh, but on this occasion, I can't help but agree with them. Uh, watch it for a laugh, you know. If you it, just get wasted, if you want to shout at your TV screen for a prolonged amount of time, then watch it um, and get angry at it. I spoke for a long time then. And if you don't like it, it's because of Donald Trump. It's because, yeah, don't forget that as well. Donald Trump makes you. But that's the only reason. (laughs) I I do kind of feel bad for Finn Jones. Like, um, not for what he has been saying in that regard. Like, I'm sure he's probably been advised to say things by publicity people. Like, and even if it is, even if he said a lot of stuff that really fucks up his publicity. Not not his publicity, I mean, like, on behalf of the show. Like, um, well, it fucks up the publicity for the show as well, to be honest, true. to say half of the stuff he says about how it's the cast and crew's fault that the fight scenes are terrible. Yeah, no, that is pretty bad. That's a pretty bad thing to say. Um, Like, there was a, a headline on an article I read the other day, which was just, Iron Fist cast continues to dig giant inescapable hole for themselves. <laughs> really? And he can't even fly to get out. <laughs> also, I've got to ask this about the defenders, right? Yeah. Who's the funny one? Um, Luke Cage. <laughs> he seems to He's not take not everything as seriously as the others. Because I mean, it's not going to be Jessica. Yeah, because no. I'm like, man, the defenders is going to be really fucking light on on like comic relief. Again, oh, but the other shows are quite have have humor in it. They do, like even Je- Jessica Jones has humor have in it. Supporting characters who provide it. When you have the defenders, it's going to be very difficult to bring in all the supporting characters from all the shows. Well, in, in the universe of the defenders, Luke and Danny are the comedy act. I, yeah. I don't see this Luke Cage being. Admittedly, I'd never no. finished Luke Cage, but no. he's he's not he's not a barrel of laughs, is our Luke. <laughs> No, but no, it could be. Uh, so Danny could be the thing that lightens him up. I can only see Danny Rand from this Netflix show just yeah. pissing the Luke Cage <laughs> of the Netflix show off. Like, I like I can't see how those two in any way could ever be could be friends, and not because of Luke Cage. Uh, it's solely because of Iron Fist. Like the character is presented as this crybaby, um, insecure idiot. And heroes for hire, the best friends. Yeah, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Like, um, I'm really looking forward to Defender still because I, I, I still reckon that. If like you've got the main creative like uh, minds behind the other three shows, like uh, steering it, then great. Um, I don't know how much involvement that the other crew had in making Iron Fist. I don't know if it's a separate crew. It could be the same crew for all I know, and they just dropped the ball. But um, yeah, it was it was it was really bad. Like, and I, I tried to stick up for it to myself whilst watching it to try and get me through (laughs) it. Like I was, I was thinking, you know, eventually it's going to get good, surely. And it just didn't like, 
there was this really annoying thing with the the actual Iron Fist, his power, the uh, where he can uh, focus his chi into delivering this seismic punch uh, through yeah, the, the Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Yeah, yeah, like it's his thing. Um, and every episode, there is some reason why he can't use the Iron Fist. Your cheese off. They keep muttering in his ear ever so closely, <laughs> like your your soul isn't quite like aligned properly for you to use the iron fist. Yet every time it's convenient for him to use the iron fist, he does so. Every time he needs to break down an iron door, every time he needs to like um, punch a fucking bullet out of the air. I don't. I don't know. Like it. It just annoyed me thinking how awesome would it be if you just had this amazing martial artist taking on hundreds of hand agents at a time in a daredevil-esque fight scene like the story doesn't even have to be that good it just has to be a display of excellent martial arts and when you have things on tv like at the moment like enter the badlands a strictly martial arts based television show you know when you've got that level of fighting quality like in daredevil up for grabs and then you look at iron fist you've just got to think well there's better out there why should i, I mean, be watching even this? looking at jessica jones and luke cage like the thing i found fascinating about their shows especially following on from daredevil which as you say was beautifully choreographed martial arts showcase yeah Jessica and Luke, their whole thing is super strength, so they yeah. don't have any finesse in the way they fight, but their fight scenes are perhaps all the more impressively choreographed for it. Like, yeah. it's still beautifully put together, and to choreograph and make this showpiece out of an uncoordinated brawling style is so impressive. Like, when Luke Cage beats up a bunch of guys with a sofa... Yeah, it just it looks amazing. So to then fail as a guy who is a martial arts master to put the martial arts in, or at least the mastery, perhaps is the bit that's missing. Yeah, uh, that's a big fumble. It really is. Like, and you're quite right. Like each of the each of the Netflix Marvel heroes have their distinctive fighting style, but also like the tone of the fight scene, like. With Luke Cage, it is the inevitability. Like he's gonna win. You can't, you can't stop him. Like, and it's just a really cool thing to watch him just take people apart. Jessica Jones is like a um, uh, an avenging, furious power that just rips people to shreds with her fists and throws them across the room. Daredevil meticulously moves from one person to the other, um, just using like those really amazingly honed skills. And you think that. With Iron Fist, that it's going to be showcasing like all the kung fu, like all of the kung fu that we that we love from cinema and, and TV and stuff, and it's just not. It's just a fumbling mess. Like, and I'm not saying that I could do any better given the time restrictions, but like, come on, you, you you've done better, Netflix. Come on, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> But remember, uh, as Finn Jones said, you know, it's not a show for critics. Of course the critics don't like it. And also he wishes people would stop criticising the show without having watched it. And it's all just knee-jerk headlines to people seeing a thing on Twitter. It's not actually people criticising the show. Because once they've watched it, they'll realise it's great. Yeah. 
Seems, the, seems uh, well, you've seen the show, right, Rob? I have seen the show, and... Do, do you agree that it was great once you'd actually seen the whole thing? It was fucking dreadful. <laughs> there I, you go, Finn. And honestly, like, as much as I appreciate fit, like, the only reason why I had, like, any, um, any sort of modicum of thought for sticking up for him was because I happened to like his appearances in Game of Thrones as a Night of Flowers. And I, and this is something that I actually went through in my own mind. I was like, oh, no, like, he must be great at fighting because, like, he's the Knight of Flowers, the renowned, like, swordsman of Westeros. Like, obviously, he's going to be amazing. And then I think to myself, and I'm like, actually, no, hang on a second. We never see the Knight of Flowers in a fight scene ever in Game of Thrones. What gave me that impression? A rumor <laughs> from a fantasy realm that gave me the rumor that he was going to be good in Iron Fist, you know? And I was like, you're a fucking moron. Like, this guy's dreadful. And hey, everyone, come <laughs> look at this guy and laugh at him. Also, in one interview I saw, someone put to Finn that his character goes a bit creepy Christian Grey style with the romance, where he just outright buys the love interest's building. Yeah. And, and someone's pointing out, that's a bit, like, weirdly domineering and controlling. Isn't that a little bit creepy? And he's like, oh, you have to see it from Danny Rand's point of view. From his point of view, it's not a big deal. It's just this cheeky, naive thing he does. And I'm like, no. oh, I don't think you should be defending oh. that. I don't think you should be defending that thing. That sounds pretty You're creepy. So right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he is. He is really invasive. Like he, um, yeah, he outright buys the dojo that uh, Colleen sort of teaches her students at, or whatever, because he can. Um, and he sort of shows up with a fucking smile on his face, and he delivers like, uh, like a, a basically like he has home delivered, like a restaurant kind of, um food takeaway thing like they bring tables and chairs and like tablecloth uh candles and stuff like that uh and like he sits down and 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 it's like have you just bought my building and then engineered a date that i've not agreed to yet like it's like oh this is weird and then thankfully um claire the night nurse character is there as well and she sticks around and it's like is she is she worried for her? Like is she basically is she chaperoning Colleen yes, at this point from our protagonist, our so-called protagonist. This is oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yes, that's fairly early in the in the show, and I. That's pretty that's creepy. That is weird, pretty. Creepy. It's fucking weird. Um, yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of other forgettable characters. Like, um, there's the people that have been running Rand Rand Industries in the wake of their Rand supposed death or whatever. And they're just so boring. So boring. And like I say, their motivations change so quickly. Like, there's the sister of the family that now runs the uh, uh, the company. And one minute, she's blackmailing someone to be moved up to the top of a list of an organ donor. So someone will ignore the fact that this power plant is causing people to die horribly. And then the next minute, she's like, oh, I shouldn't have poisoned Danny Rand. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you are you insane? Like, have you any kind of, like, idea of what you're doing? And the answer is no, because the character hasn't been written with any inkling of what they're doing. There's no, 
there's no cohesive kind of character arc. There's no cohesive kind of plot development. Oh man, I, I can't even. I can't even be. I, I can't be eloquent about it. I can't. I can't put it into words. If you want to see how about it, is go and check it out. But honestly, it's a waste of time. Iron Fist Netflix originals <laughs> out now. I would love to see fucking posters with your little one-line review. <laughs> 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 I enjoyed that though. That, uh, that actually felt a little bit like therapy. So thanks, guys. That's all right. We're... No problem. I know you've been wanting to get that off your chest for a We're while. We're here to help. Really have, yeah. Thanks. Um, and I've been wanting to listen to it for a while because I don't want to sit through it, but I want to know about it. So you've yep. done me a service. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Uh, next port call defenders. I'd say. Just jump to that toot, one. Toot. Toot toot. Defenders of the and Earth. Holy shit. Maybe. Holy shit. Just maybe they'll give Finn some training in martial arts before they do Defenders. Yeah, on, hopefully. On, on that note, though, can we get a Defenders of the Earth movie going? Let's do it. <laughs> like, who owns the right to Flash Gordon now? Well, us. Yeah, us. Just us. us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll do it. I don't. Well, we have an actor and a writer, so. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think any of us could play Lothar. I'm just saying. Well, obviously, we'd have to hire some people in. It's true. No, it's all right. Rob can play everyone. I'll just play everyone. But yeah, we need a Defenders of the Earth movie. We need we need Flash Gordon, the Phantom. We need Mandrake. Uh, yes, it's Mandrake. I keep I keep trying to remember his name is not Abraka Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm stealing that. <laughs> Uh, is that from something? It's it's from uh, a thing called every '80s cartoon intro ever, and it's like someone going on a long run. Oh, you know, like how yeah. '80s cartoons used to like explain the plot. It was like a spoken word. Yeah, with the, the plot. song. Yeah. It's someone doing that with like a patched together video of all the these old '80s cartoons, but it goes on for like eight minutes, and the plot just keeps expanding nice. outwards and outwards. <laughs> and it's just people who turn into robots who turn into helicopters. And yeah, one of them is, yeah, they do the Defenders of the Earth. It's like Captain Close-Up, Limbo <laughs> Man, and Abraka Bastard. Amazing. That's great. Which is quite close to one of the defining moments of the Adventure Zone, which was the line, Abraka, fuck you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I love that line. It was amazing. Oh, Adventure Zone. Abraka, fuck you. Oh, taco. Good stuff. So I think that's been a pretty, it's been a, 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 an eclectic collection of discussions. It has. I think the title of this episode is going to be, don't worry, eventually we remember how much we wanted to talk shit about Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, that's a very good point. I only remembered because we started talking about Death Note, uh, which is Netflix. So good job. We've come away saying nicer things about Western Death Note than we have about Iron Fist. And DC films. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. For once, we've complimented DC and ragged on Marvel. Yeah. Wow. I like this. I yeah. like know, right? As someone who loves DC Animated, may this trend continue. Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, next time... Next time on Dangerously Unprepared... Jack has a stroke. Uh, well, I mean, at some point, yes, but we'll. <laughs> I think 
well, we don't talk about what episodes we're going to do next on the show anymore, no, do we? we? Don't. Not no. we don't, because we decide. No. We, won't, we didn't even decide with this one. It <laughs> <laughs> happened. All right, fair enough. We got a WrestleMania episode coming, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because WrestleMania is yes, coming. Is. As I'm of gonna... recording, WrrestleMania is two days away. Ooh, the I'm Hall gonna... of Fame is. Tonight. It is. Got Kurt Angle getting inducted. Yeah, I'll be watching. Seen all the posters of Kurt Angle around that have been photographed around the the venue. They're already using photos from two thousand (laughs) and (laughs) three, which is very amazing. Wouldn't you? I mean, otherwise they'd have to, you know, he was in TNA. (laughs) Well, it's it was really interesting. He was campaigning to get Impact to release footage of his time with TNA. Ah. For use at the Hall of Fame ceremony, because he's like, look, I did some amazing work yeah. there. Like, we're talking about my career here. A lot of my career was there. And he's right, more of it was there than was at the WWE. Yeah. Uh, and some of his best work, which, to be honest, let's remember his feud with Samoa Joe in Holy TNA. Shit, yeah. Some of his best work was at TNA. Uh, I doubt he'll have pulled it off, but I know he wanted to get some footage of his time at Impact released. Considering the, the weird shit that's been going on with TNA's um, uh, like copyright issues at the moment, they've just been throwing TM after every fucking word on their YouTube account recently. It's so weird. With Jeff, gotta be careful. Jeff TM Hardy and Matt TM. Sorry, Jeff TM Hardy TM and Matt TM Hardy TM of the Hardy TM boys TM. There was a there was... well. I wonder if that's because the Hardys are talking about coming back to yeah, WWE. Yeah, they've, they've definitely left TNA. Um, there was a there was a fucking hilarious moment. I don't know if you saw this, Simon, about them doing a match in I believe it was Mexico with a referee that was signed to. Um, uh, Lucha Underground, and Lucha. but TNA, you know, owned the rights to to broadcast matches with the Hardy Boys, or they did at the time rather. So they were like trying to figure this out. So TNA just released the footage of the match, but they blurred out the ref's face. Okay. <laughs> they like couldn't censor out the ref because like they've done this before. They've censored out people in the in the audience and stuff like that because they were you know contracted wrestlers in other companies. But in this case, it's the ref. You can't censor the ref in a wrestling match. So that's a bit they just weird. blurred his face. It's just like, if you're watching this with no context, it's like, why is the ref's face blurred? What the fuck does he do? i got to watch this match. <laughs> but yes, um, one sad note. Uh-oh. Big Show has apparently confirmed that this will be his last WrestleMania. Oh. I don't think it's any real surprise. I think it's been well known he's been looking to retire for a while. I mean, now. he's been he's been going since what ninety five. Uh, at yeah, least, tw- if not yeah, earlier, twenty two years, bro. And I mean, it's it's got to have been doing bad things to his yes, back, definitely, for a few years. A guy that size. Um. So I, I've heard it in interviews. I know he's been looking to retire for a while now. Um, but yeah, this is apparently it, which is a shame because he was supposed to have a big showcase match against Shaquille O'Neal, and then that fell through. So I don't know what he's going to be doing. To be fair, I can't think of any way to end on a lower point than 
ending your WrestleMania <laughs> career wrestling fucking Shaquille Flat Earth O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, but imagine seeing Shaquille Flat Earth O'Neal getting bullied by Big Show. That would have been quite. Satisfying. That actually kind of would. I remember seeing seeing that coming out that Shaquille O'Neal is a flat is a flat Earth believer and just going, "Well, he is very tall. He, he would know better than I would." <laughs> <laughs> On that note, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. I have been the marginally successful pilot for Jack. I have been the fist in Iron Fist's face. (laughs) And chest. Uh, And I've just been Irish. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Toodles. That was a Dangerously Unprepared podcast. Visit DangerouslyUnprepared.com to catch all our episodes and to submit topics for shows you'd like us to do in future. Follow us on Twitter at Unprepared Show. Find us on Facebook as Dangerously Unprepared. Thanks, as ever, go to Simply Syndicated for hosting us, IPI for the original music we based our theme tune on, and to you for listening. We hope you listen again. <laughs>